Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. But won't you open your Bible in Exodus 33? It's one of those passages that have been preached on so many times. Anybody want to venture what happens in Exodus 33? Famous thing that we all always say, Father, we cannot go from this place unless you go with us. You know that? If you didn't know it's in Exodus 33, it's in Exodus 33. But last week we wrapped up Daniel, um, also celebrated and remembered Pentecost. And pretty soon we're going to go into a series where we're going to chat about the principles of God. Now Terry got very excited this morning when I said we're talking about principles because he thought it's all about him being the principal of the king's school. My bro, though, we respect you enormously. We're going to go a little bit bigger than you. Okay. Principles, P-L-E-S, not P-A-L-S. Principles of God. And I, I, it's something that has gripped me because though we don't talk about many things, like we're not a church who regularly preach on finances and, and that. And we... I wonder how many of you understand the principles behind it. What is the principle in God for us coming and say, give to his work? Is it a law? Is it an expectation? Is it a suggestion? Well, it all depends on the principle behind it. What are the principles on some of the other things? What is the principle behind baptism this morning? We're going to go through that. Or, or have we as a church got stuck in doing things because, oh, well, that's what we do. Hey? I, I like to go through a cycle with God and just check, is my, is my things that I believe in and I hold fast on, is it what's in the Bible? And the reason for this is because I come out of a, a um, denominational background in the churches that we were. And in that, that structure that we were in, you didn't challenge what was taught. You didn't evaluate what was taught. You just accepted. And I felt God says, let's, let's not deal with things in his word that way as a church. So as a Lombronian, can you stand and say, well, this is my conviction that I hold on to because God said so. Not because your hand taught on it or Laney taught on it or Marlies or Heath or any of the elders, any of the leaders taught on it. So we're going to go into a season of preaching through that. Isn't that a lovely little, little pitch? Nice, eh? I'm also not trying to make things more complicated than they are. You can ask the team. I tend to do that. They hold me to account. I can really overcomplicate things. But the team, we will be in this together and we will keep it simple. I promise you that. But before we get that, we're now in the book of Exodus. Exodus 33. You've got to ask yourself, what happens in Exodus 32? Yes. Good question. Exodus 32, they make the golden calf. Moses has gone up the mountain, Sinai. There is lightning, clouds. The presence of God is clearly where Moses is, and the people at the bottom are feeling slightly left out. And they speak to Moses' brother, Aaron, make us. An idol. They make the idol. Golden calf. 
That's Exodus 32. Now you're probably saying, oh, what happened in Exodus 34? Another good question. Exodus 34, God comes and he says, I will reconfirm that you are a people that I want to have a covenant with. They go from people who have, who let go of God, even though his presence is there, and worship something man-made, Skip a chapter to God saying, I want you as my people. It should baffle your mind because God has never changed from being a holy God. He doesn't, in chapter 32, become a less holy God. And then in 30, like, because now, now they're okay to, to have idols. And then skip a chapter, next one, he, reconf- he is a holy God. He is a God whose wrath had to be appeased. Chapter 32, chapter 33, chapter 34. A few verses in between 32 and 34 changes their status to ungodly idolaters to chosen people covenantally connected to a holy, sovereign God. You've got to ask yourself, what happens in chapter 33? Another good question. Chapter 33, that we sometimes reduce to, if your presence doesn't go with us, God, we cannot go from this place. Chapter 33 is a chapter, according to me, of God's divine favor. God's role in his divine favor. Our role in his divine favor and the impact of his divine favor. We want to put those as the three points we're going to chat about. But you know the beauty of Exodus? It comes after the book of Genesis being book of beginnings. Exodus being the book of exits. And then what comes after the book of Exodus? Well, well, guys, what chronologically, according to the Bible, what comes after the book of Exodus? Give me the name. <laughs> Leviticus, which means law. In Exodus, God, God gives the commandments. He starts to give the, the, the shape of the law. But you know, he also gives us the tabernacle. And we all know when you look at the tabernacle, is how we worship. It's a picture of God's redemption through Christ Jesus. And, and it, it's something beautiful. It's a book of, of God's favor. And if you don't read Exodus, do me a favor. Read it. It's beautiful. Pay special attention to Exodus 33. God's divine favor. We're going to open verse 12. And we're going to read till 23. Father, we ask you that you will presence yourself this morning as we look into your word. And that you will make alive, Lord, much more than my opinion, my thoughts. But you will make alive your eternal word in the heart and hearts of your people, God. May your word be alive in this body. May we be a people of your word and of your spirit 
continually seeking for you, my God. Amen. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you. For you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. Moses said, quite cheeky, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will have mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. You know what is so interesting about these few verses? Is that God has just said to Moses, Moses, I will send an angel with you. Go from Sinai. He's saying, you guys have become so comfortable here, and so complacent with my presence, you have gone and made an idol. I will shake you, I will move you, but I will not go with you. Because in my presence, all sin will be annihilated. But because you are my people, I will send an angel with you. And we've got this interesting fellow Moses that goes, Oh God, no, 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 but God, you will go with us. As if he didn't hear God. As if God didn't speak to him face to face. And, 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 and if he didn't hear God. He comes and he says, but God, who will go with us? And God says, you have found favor with me. Despite your cheekiness, despite you pretending that you haven't heard me, you have favor with me. Like, do you sometimes fall in this category where you think only when you have done everything 100% according to God, and you are perfect in all your ways, without sin or blemish, then you can have the favor of God. Do, do you fall in that category? No one, no one. Let the record show and the recording show that I seem to be the only one raising my hand. There we go. Thank you, Cliff. Brave guy. We do think like that, don't we? Because my children will only have my favor when they toe the line according to me. Not so? Oh, friend, you can be my friend if, if we do what I like. I know I'm now going into psychology here with a lot of personalities, and I'm a choleric, which I do like it my way, and it's easy for me to say that. But don't you find that sometimes you engage life like that? Like you, we can be friends because you, you do what I like. 
God says, no, Moses, even though you are asking me to change my mind, even though you are representing a people that have really gone and done what I told them not to do, despite my presence being meters away, kilometers away, I don't know how far away they were, but let's say kilometers away, my presence is there. They have gone and sinned. Despite this, you have my favor. God's divine favor. Point number one. It is first of all towards all of us. All the time. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is eternal. God is always good and always inclined towards us, his people. His favor is for us all the time. I love this verse 13 where it says, Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. You first acknowledge that God's favor is there. And then you get to the point to say, well, God, how do I act in your favor, in your very presence? So if the first point is God's favor is for us, his divine favor, it starts with this thing of his presence. The word for presence in that verse where it says, and I will let you into my presence and I will give you rest. That word presence is not like you and I see presence. It's not like I'm, I'm here present in your presence. This word presence means the before time. It means the in time. And it means the out of time. When God says my presence is with you, my eternal here, my, my trinity, my plurality is here. The first step for us to know God's presence or to, to know God's favor is to know that he is ever present and that his favor is towards us. His presence is accessible for you and I. You know what the Israelites missed here? Is at this point, they have become so complacent and used to the presence of God that they parked him outside of the camp. At this point, God was designing the tabernacle, but Moses sat in a place called the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was outside of the camp. And you know what happened? When Moses got up and he started walking towards the tent of meeting, all the Israelites became quiet and went and stood at the outside of their tents. Then as long as he went into that, the presence of God would stand in front of the tent, manifest presence, and the Israelites would stand and worship a bit and then go back into their tents. The presence of God was there all the time. They had access to the presence of God through Moses. They could have been in his favor constantly, but they just chose to become less aware of him and more aware of their circumstances. The divine favor of God has absolutely nothing to do with our circumstances, with our likes, without our dislikes, without our tension. It's got nothing to do with that. It is a constant thing. That God says, my favor is there. Point number two, our role in the divine favor of God. And now this is, this is the, the difficult one to navigate. Because now people are saying, 
I'm going to start either teaching law or prescription or something like that. But you've got to ask yourself, if Moses had access to the favor of God, to the point where God says, I will take your people in one chapter from idolaters, from people that I should annihilate and lay waste to, in one chapter, he takes them to a point of being his favored people. You've got to ask yourself, why, what, 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 did, what happened in, in 33? And what happened is, is, is Moses interceded for them and said, God, please forgive we will become more aware of your favor and we will do what is expected of us. We have a role to play in accessing the favor of God. You don't want to know this, but it's real. Did they become less Israelites or the chosen people when they weren't in his favor or when they weren't acting according to his favor? No. Not at all. Do my kids become less of my children when I have to discipline them? No. Now some parents are saying, sometimes I wish I could. No. No parent will think like that. No one. But is there some way that your children know how to get your favor? Yes. Because I'm going to live a way that's according to the way that, that you open up your favor to me. Simple example is, ah, I come, come to the house in the afternoons and all the kids come running. How's it, Dad? How's it, Dad? You know Joy? She's turning three. My little wolf cub. She comes to me and she says, I go to shop. <laughs> you know that she knows that when I go to the shop, I buy them each a milkshake. Little Super M or whatever is the cheapest. Very stumpy. I don't know what, what you guys drink. I buy them. So Joy already knows. If she just jumps in the car with me and we go to shop, what is she going to get? A milkshake. And that's the principle that Moses goes on. God, but if we just jump into your presence, we are your covenantal people. And the difficulty of this point, it is either seen as law, you have to do a couple of things to get God's favor, or it's seen as there is undivided, like, uh, just favor, grace. But this is why we're going to go on a series of preaching on the principles of God. Because God is not a slot machine that I uh, throw a coin in and pull a lever and get whatever it is that makes the, the lights go and the coins flow. That's not the God that we read about in this word. He's also not less holy because Jesus Christ was, was man and God here on earth, was crucified, was resurrected and ascended. He didn't become less of a holy God. He is a holy, sovereign God. Which means we don't have the right to just live our lives the way that we want to live our lives. He is God. You and I have a role to play in the favor of God. Simple principle. He says to Moses, you have found favor with me. Come into my presence and have 
rest. Come into the understanding of the plurality, uncreated nature of who I am. Into my presence and you will have rest. That means our role in accessing God's favor, in being in His favor, has got a lot to do with the choices and the decisions that we make. Are you going to go out at the age of 74 doing what He has called you to do? Point number three. The role of of the church. The role of Limbra when it comes to God's favor. My my little side point here that I wrote in is it includes. You know, the, the, the language here of Moses in verse 13 is, Now therefore, if I found favor in your sight, I have found favor in your sight, Slow me, show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. So it's this thing of, God, I know that your favor is there. I want to be in your presence. I want to know more of how to please you, to stay in your favor. And then he changes his language and he says, Consider, too, that this nation is your people. I want to remind us as Limbronians today that just because we have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, just because we sit here and our futures are secure in God, and we understand that He has favor over us, that His grace extends, that we have a purpose and a destiny in in Him, does not make it full and final. I want, to, I want to shake us this morning that we remember that we have a, a burden to take. That all of those people that do not know Jesus is our burden. Those people that we come in contact with every day should be brought into the favor of God. But somehow as a church, we have lost the urgency of this matter. Because have we possibly become people that have become so used to His presence that we can just worship our little golden cocks. As much as His favor was given for you to enjoy His presence, His favor was given to you to bring others with you into His favor, into His presence, and into relationship with Him. And here's the challenge. Do your words and your actions tie up? And do your actions speak louder than your, I don't know, quotes on the back of sugar papers? It's good to read that the owl is the wisest because the more he hears, the less he speaks. I think if Christians gossiped less, we would have a lot more people together with us to celebrate Christ on a Sunday. But we have forgotten that when we are out there, our purpose is to bring them into in here. 
if that makes sense. Where we sit in the presence of the mighty one who created us and loves us unconditionally. It includes his favor is not exclusive. When we, when we baptize people now, do you still understand the significance of a public declaration like that? Does it still make you excited when we say, it's winter, but these people want to baptize, be baptized? And you cannot understand it because the water is freezing. Sorry, guys. It is really cold. It's not going to be a bath. Do you still get excited and say, God, I want to witness this? Another person saying, I will publicly declare the love for my God, that my life has been changed. I want to make a testimony. I want to stand out and witness for him. Do you still get excited about that? Or do you just zone out when we say, let's pray together? Same position of holiness. One hand in the air. I can keep it for five, five to ten seconds. Swap hands. And then the best of it all, we say, won't you extend your hands and pray for them? Mm, yeah. Maybe a short one, God. <laughs> Amen. Is it still something that will cause you to become aware of his presence and worship him like an abandoned fool? Because his presence is here where we are, accessible for us, because it's an expression of his favor towards us. Are you living in Exodus 32 or in Exodus 34? You just want to know that you are the accepted people, but yet you are the idolater also. Or can you park off a little bit with me this morning in Exodus 33? And let him speak into you to say, my favor is there for you. You have found favor with me. You are, I'm pleased with you despite who you are. And because of the blood of my son, I will honor and I will make a covenant with you. And I will remind you about the covenant every time that you and I are face to face. Can the baptism, guys, if you haven't changed already, can you go and get changed and come and get ready? You know what we have have lost in conclusion in today's day and age. We, we somehow think that the manifestation of God is where we see physical things. I, I don't want to knock the people that have, have had these glory experiences. But do you know that's not completely biblical? He clearly says here that I will show you my glory, which is my goodness, my nature. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. 
You know that you are an expression of His glory when you give kindness when none is due. We went on a marriage camp there once, and um, it was with Jimmy and Jill. And (laughs) he was telling the story about when Jill scratched the car. And he got home, and everything in him wanted to say, you've scratched the car. You've, You've done it again. You've messed it up. And God said to him, she knows it. It's not what's needed in the moment. When you show kindness like that, when you have an opportunity to make a point in yourself and you choose not to make a point, I hate it. I love those moments. I'm a, I'm a terrible person. But you know that it says that my presence will pass by you. I will show you my goodness and my nature. We are conduits of his nature. But now, the church worldwide has come to this thing that only when we see feathers fall, that God manifests his glory. And we reduce the very glory presence of this God that we serve to those moments. When the reality is, when we get together here, it is collectively focusing on His presence and His glory will be here. I'm not saying that the feathers can't fall and that the glory can't. I'm not saying that. God is, is all powerful. He can do all things. If he chooses to do that, he can choose to do that. But that's not the only expression of the presence and the glory of God manifest in his church. If you are not comfortable with that, then unfortunately, this might not be the body for you. Because we believe in the manifestations of God. But we also believe in him being in us the manifestation of what he is. You being able to stand up and say, I sense this word for you in God. It is the nature and the glory of God that is at display. You being able to worship him with abandonment is a manifestation of him. Him healing somebody here is the manifestation of the God that we serve. Baptism. Somebody walking in obedience to his word is the manifestation of our God. It is the collectiveness of what we go and take his favor and his presence out there. May this act be a reminder that you are a carrier of his favor and his presence this morning.